Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Back in the before times, I had this monthly advice show called Asking for a Friend at CT Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford. And in one part of the show, the house lights would come up and the audience members took the mic and talked about what was bothering them. From being annoyed about pumpkin spice to frustrations with the healthcare industry, pollution, and racism, no gripe was too small or too vast to put words to. The segment was called Why You So Salty? And it's the inspiration for today's entire show. You'll hear audio from Asking for a Friend, and you'll hear voicemails from adults and kids. And you'll hear what's gotten under the skin of some Connecticut public employees, too. Plus a philosopher on why anger is essential to anti-racist struggle. It's the kind of anger that can be managed. If its aim is also transformation and change, then I think that this is what we need. We shouldn't get rid of it. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's coming up next on Audacious, right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. For three years, I had a monthly advice show at CT Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford. It was called Asking for a Friend with Kyone Wolf, and this one part of the show was my favorite. It was called Why You So Salty. The house lights came up, and unsanitized wireless mic was passed around. Clearly, it was pre-pandemic, and audience members would talk about what was making them salty. Angry, frustrated, flat out mad. Listening to these brave, blunt people, I realize that it's it's one thing to be pissed off on social media, right? Or in an email or in the ruminations of your own mind as you're trying to get to sleep. But the images of reckless, selfish, baffling things other people have done to you just won't leave you alone. But it is another thing entirely when you're in a room full of other human beings, speaking the words out loud and being reacted to, being heard. So today, those moments from the show are the inspiration for an entire episode of Saltiness. In addition to hearing some of these recordings, we asked our listeners to unload their salt upon us. And not only did adults and children get in touch, but some of my colleagues from Connecticut Public sounded off too. You'll hear from them at the end of the show. And because racism came up so much, especially during the live shows, you'll hear from a philosophy professor who believes that anger is essential to the collective anti-racist struggle. But let's get started where it all began, at asking for a friend. A few disclaimers, you'll hear an impressive amount of bleeping, and you'll often hear the voice of my friend Joe Barber, who was the stage manager and the passer of the mic. You'll also at one point hear an audience member talk about the stigma around depression and suicide. If you need support, don't hesitate to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You're worth that help. The number is 800-273-8255. All right, now come back in time with me to the era before the world shut down. You're sitting in CT Comedy Theater feeling good and, well, salty. You know how a new restaurant opens in town and everybody's all like, oh, you gotta check out this restaurant. And then you go and it's like... 
Like they're doing regular th- food, but they're doing it in like a bougie way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like, so they're like, we have chicken and waffles. The chicken is coated in a panko breading and the waffles are tarragon rosemary and it's a bacon maple blueberry sauce. And you're like, can I just have some chicken and waffles? Like, this is not what Martin Luther King died for. Preach. Like, I just want regular food. So every now and then I just treat myself to like a trash diner that is gonna serve me straight up bacon and eggs that don't have any herbs in them, that like aren't like whatever, like kale or whatever. Like kale always gets to the front of the line. Also cauliflower, what's with the glow up? Like keto, keto, that's why. It's rice, it's potatoes, it's whatever you want it to be. And I'm not here for it. Like, it's not delicious. Like, we should also admit that. Right. It's a means to an end. And we're all kind of fooling ourselves that like, this kind of tastes like rice, but it's not rice. It will never be rice. It will never be potatoes. It will never be pizza crust. Uh It is fake broccoli. Like, let's face it. Even broccoli is beating cauliflower. Please, oh, please talk about it. Please talk about it. Like, just also sweet potatoes are the worst. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Yes. Yes. Whoa. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We can't just gloss over that. Hold on. Okay, do you... Do you... Do you mean, like the bougie appropriation of the sweet potatoes where they're turned into fries instead of regular potato yes. fries? Yes, Okay, so And everything else. Like, I saw potato skins made of sweet right. potatoes. Oh. And, like... Oh, no. Like, whatever okay. you want to do with a normal potato, they've started doing with sweet potatoes and then pushing it on you as if that's, like, oh, we've always done it this way. no. Like, white potato paved the way for a reason. Right. And set you up for all this deliciousness. And now right. sweet potato just comes swooping in, and it's all like, I'm the low-carb, healthy option. And I'm like, <laughs> like, fall back. You're kind of more of a squash. Like, you're not an actual potato. Okay. So, so what I'm... Maybe we should just give potato it's just dessert, and, like, it should be alongside a burger. Like, and you know, they, like, have the nerve to charge you a dollar extra. They're like... Right. Do you want to have sweet potato fries next to your burger? No. No. We have a lovely icing sauce. Is this dinner or dessert? Right. Okay, so what I'm hearing, Tiana, (laughs) is that you are a white supremacist. I am. I am. I am a white potato supremacist. Okay. I cannot wait for the podcast version. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. The emails, the Twitters. Oh. <laughs> I am salty about live, laugh, love. <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me before I saw it on stenciled on your wall right. to live, to laugh, right. to love. Like coexist bumper stickers. Oh, it hadn't occurred to me to coexist until I saw it on a bumper sticker. I'm sorry, and I apologize. I know there are probably people in this room who love their stencils, but I think it's ridiculous. Who else is salty? 
Okay. Um, just real quick, have okay. you ever been cut off by somebody with a coexist Co bumper yeah. sticker? <laughs> Those are the best. Every time. Major road rage. Let's see your hands. Who's salty? So salty? Every time I see somebody sitting in their car, idling the car, and talking on their phone, mm. I want to go and yank the phone out of their hand and say, Use the sidewalk, shut off your engine, don't pollute my country, and don't pollute the earth. And that's it. I don't know how many of you love Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes, but I, I really love them. But August is way too early for them to be start coming back. Just too early. I need it to be at least a little cooler outside to really enjoy it, because right now they're just sort of diluting my love for it. So you want that window, that... Pumpkin spice window to be just smaller. Just a little narrower. It doesn't need to extend from a past Christmas. Yeah, I love it. I love everything pumpkin spice except for the pumpkin spice spam that they just came out with. That's the line. Are you that serious? That is the line that I'm drawing right there. For real? But I need it to start like right around like early mid September and then run right up to peppermint mocha season. Yeah, Ooh. that's funny. Alan, why are you so salty? I'm salty because of that guy in a meeting that always has to add something at the end. Oh, you know when they're like, they're like, all right, well, this meeting has gone over by about half an hour, but uh, just about wrapping it up. Um, does anybody else have anything to add? Any questions? And then some guy in the back is like, I just like to repeat what was already said. And and then another 20 minutes later, and then you're like, oh, well, I'm late for picking up my latte <laughs> I ordered it on my phone to Don't pick it up but it's my latte, cold right? pumpkin spice latte now cold because bob had to mention uh, we were out of post-it notes or something <laughs> like whatever alexa why are you so salty i'm so excited how many do i get all of them yes you know what's making me salty can we stop asking women, especially in public, when they're going to have children? Yes. That's none of your business. That's, true. That's not your uterus. That's you don't know their lives. You don't know if they're trying. You don't know if they've lost children. You don't know if they're in abusive relationships. You don't know if they're super gay and there's no penises in sight. Stop it. Word. Let them tell you when, if, that's what they're going to do. Nobody owes children to anyone. And I can say all this because I get this question a lot. And I know, because I'm, I'm married to that smoke show right there. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and we are not having the children. We are drinking, we are irresponsible, and we love our lives. And oh, we're yeah. happy. Preach, Alexa. And our cats. Yes. You know why else? <laughs> no, no kids. Cats, Down not kids. kids. Oh, cats, cats, not kids. And Manhattan clam chowder. It's not a thing. <laughs> <sighs> All I wanted was to watch the Oscars streaming somewhere for free. <laughs> it was impossible. What I ended up doing was signing up for YouTube TV for three hours and then canceling it like <laughs> any good American. But guess how much? Do you guys know how much YouTube TV? Because like I'm a sucker. I, I pay for Hulu and other one. Guess how much YouTube TV it will be a month? YouTube's new like we do TV now. How much, Julia? $55. What? Yo, that's Obviously, 
I'm not paying that. But what I'm truly salty about in the umbrella level is like, you know, I was in high school and Napster came out and I enjoyed my free music. Napster. I was also Napster. one of the first people onto streaming and I enjoyed my cheap or free streaming that all over stealing. the place. That wasn't streaming. I know. I know that now. But when I was 17, <laughs> it was cool. Especially the period where the time period where you had to misspell everything yeah. and it was still there. But I don't like that streaming has uh, caught up days. to be a new cable where everything's going to be like 10 or 15 or mm-hmm. $55 a month just to watch people in nice dresses accept awards. I'm really irritated about that, and I want it to end. I'm ready for the next revolution. It'll I'm cost, over it. It'll cost more, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Patrick, why are you so salty? If I see one more paper straw... I'm fighting everybody. <laughs> the polar bears could all die today. If I have, like, like, the issue with paper straws is, like, they're not built for the job that they have. They're not. Like, they are as, like, soluble as a frosted flake. Like, literally, <laughs> I'm drinking. I can't finish a drink because of paper. Like, why? What is the point of buying a drink, putting a straw in there, and having that thing just, like, disintegrate? In the, like, like, what is the point? Like, so now I got to sit down here and have my, like, beverage. Like, you gave me, like, this false sense of security. And it's like, look, first of all, I already didn't have a father, so I don't need any more trauma in my life. <laughs> like, you are giving this to me every single time I buy a drink. Like, I am sick and tired of paper straws. Like, that is the hill I will construct to die on. Like, that's the one. Ooh, I'd like oh, to give wow. a shout-out to your long-standing beef with polar bears that nobody knows about <laughs> except for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why are you so salty? Um, because I need y'all to stop pretending that tomatoes are vegetables. I mean, that they're fruits. <laughs> because they are, in fact, vegetables. Um, until y'all start putting tomatoes in your edible arrangements and giving them to your mom on, like, Valentine's Day and they are and will forever be vegetables. I don't care about the science. I don't care about the seeds. And, well, they have their seeds inside. Leslie, that makes them a fruit. Like, no. You don't, on a summer day, want to <laughs> bite into a delicious tomato because that's the fruit choice no it's a vegetable it goes in your salads in your vegetable salads not your fruit salads let it go that's where it belongs let it go (laughs) thank you okay if you're salty raise your hand why are you so salty so the thing i'm most salty about right now and we could all probably say it together cancer on three. One, two, three. Cancer. Cancer. And along with that, healthcare system. Mm-hmm. You know, the government that thinks that, you know, that we are so goddamn expendable uh, that we're the least of the commodities that they invest in. I'm like seriously salty today. Thank you. So I have multiple sclerosis. I am okay. I take medicine. Medicine is great. I am salty about the pharmaceutical company. My pills, mm-hmm. my insurance company, thank God for insurance, they pay $8,000 for a one-month supply in the United States. In Canada, $1,700. In Mexico, $2,500. Everywhere else in the world, under $2,000. Why is it $8,000 in the United States? Why is my deductible $600 every month? Thank God that I have, they have like copay assistance in the world and I am like an internet queen and I find every program possible in the world, but 
what the heck? Like eight thousand dollars a month That's for up, a yo. one month supply. So I am very salty. The fact that I live in a country that's so great and the best in the world and I can't get my medication without paying an arm and a leg is ridiculous. So I'm salty. I could flip a table over it. I'm so salty because of the stigma that still exists around um, suicide. I hear constantly still the ignorance of people saying that the people are lazy. They don't want to do anything. They're selfish because they don't think about the people they leave behind. You're trying to rationalize something that's irrational. Like These people are sick. We could all look at that box right now. That's a red box. Everyone in this room, 100%, we know that. And to be the truth, that's 100%. What if your mind was telling you your family was going to be better off without you? And you believe that to be 100%. I can't convince anyone that box isn't red. How is someone going to convince somebody that you're right? Being around is going to help your family. You know, there's always a way to reach out. Mental health, it stops your hand from reaching out. A lot of people say, you know, why didn't they just say something? They couldn't. It silences you. If you have a friend that disappeared or you haven't seen in a month, ask them how they're doing. If their immediate response is fine, push a little deeper. Try to get some details out of them. I hear other people talk about, you know, I wish they would have came to me. I wish they would have came to me. They probably wish you would have came to them. They're the ones that's sick, not you. So if someone's not been around, sorry, I'm a little choked up. It's very personal to me. Um, actually, this theater helped a lot with my issue. So way to go, CT. Thank you for having a platform like this where people can talk about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. So just, it's, it's not an easy thing to do for someone to be contemplating that is terrible. So if you see somebody that's quiet and you're out with your friends or something, Say hi to somebody. I can't tell you how many times where I was having a day, someone smiled at me and said, hey, have a good one, and completely turned my day around. We're social beings. Nobody wants to be alone. We want to connect with people. Sometimes people have things going on that prevents them from doing that, and they just need someone to smile at them or shake their hand. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, people are so annoying. You know, people might think that I'm being overdramatic because I'm young and I'm a kid in high school and I don't understand the world. But from what I've seen, it sucks. <laughs> you know what? People in my school are just dropping like awful, awful words everywhere and everyone just seems like so okay with it. Like, What do you mean by awful words? Like homophobic words. I've heard people say those and like I've heard like rumors of people saying like racial slurs and like it just hurts me that people are just like go on their days and don't do anything about it. Kids hear this stuff, and, and like I listen, and I feel like I should do something, but like people don't listen. Yeah, it's, it's tough because it's, it's a delicate balance, right? You're in school, people, some of them you've grown up with, some of them are in a position of power in one way or another, whether you're your peers or your teachers, and to speak up when you hear some bullshit is risky, right? And so you're put in this position, but you're also a white lady, so there's a certain position of power that you have that's a little intimidating, but also really useful. And so something that I've found is... When I've heard bullshit, I would say something like, you could do better. <laughs> you could do better than that, right? It walks that line of like, you're challenging them based on if they say some homophobic or some racist You're challenging them and you should, you must, we need you to. But it's also really putting them in a place of control, right? 
You're not saying you suck. Delicate people get defensive, and that's that's risking your own safety too. But when you say something like, "You can do better than that," right? I you like can come that. up with a better ridiculous joke, right? Maybe tuck that in your pocket and see how that works. Well, thank you for that. Wow, this is good. I like this. So over the summer, I got to go to a bunch of concerts. I've been dragging my girlfriend to a bunch of middle-aged rock shows, and it's been great. But I've watched so many people filming the concerts on their cameras the entire, and I'm glad to look out and see no cell phones like facing us, which is nice. Like we were at one show uh, on the Child of the '90s, so it was garbage. You could take photos. And we saw one show, and at one point we counted, not total, but at one single time, 11 cell phones. And I was like, you're paid like $60 for this thing, and you're like, to watch YouTube live? Like, I didn't understand any of this. And it was infuriating. Like, I, I'm excited to see the show, and the whole time I'm just looking at this little glowing screen, and I can't ignore it. Just like, have you ever watched that when you got home? No. You, know, hey, you guys want to see the concert I taped last night? Like, <laughs> look, look. It's, and it, it is infuriating. I, I, I called it the new talking during the movies. Oh. oh. I'm so salty because I'm sick and tired of people telling me to eat low-fat food when all I want to do is eat an ice cream full of all the sugar and the grease. And if I'm going to eat something, let me enjoy the thing mm-hmm. and stop telling me how many calories are in it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see how many calories are in the dessert when I go to the restaurant. <laughs> yes, I know it's going to stop my heart, but can I just enjoy it for a moment that the chocolate cake that I see is full of fat, is full of sugar, and yes, I may have heart palpitations when I'm done, but can I just have the chocolate decadence and be happy, please? <laughs> I'm salty because the company that makes my menstrual products has repackaged all of them, so they have like cutesy designs and like they have fun sayings like "You go, girl," and like "Go get this." And I'm what? like, first of all, not all period havers are girls, mm, but that. second of all, I don't need that when I'm just like bleeding and angry. Like, like, <laughs> I don't need like flowers and something to be like, you got this. I know I got this, so just do your job. (laughs) So that's why I'm salty. Those were some voices from my temporarily retired advice show, Asking for a Friend at CT Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford. The voices you heard in order of appearance were... Tiana Glass-Tripp, Pratima Singh, Mari Farkatian, Tracy Wu-Fastenberg, Alan Smith, Alexa Lefevre, Julia Pastel, Patrick Rico-Williams, Sulinette Morales, Richard Holland, Aisha Moe, Jim Bonaldo, Scarlett Sestouli, Brian Hines, Karen Hines, no relation, and Ali Rivera. When we get back. You have anger in response to your own mistreatment. You're basically saying, I matter in the world. A philosopher on the ways in which anger can be good for us. Plus, what makes kids so angry? these days. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today, we're giving ourselves permission to vent. In the last segment, you heard audio from my advice show, Asking for a Friend, which ran every month for three years at CT Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford till the whole world shut down. Those voices were from a segment called Why You So Salty, where audience members took the mic to talk about what was bothering them, getting under their skin. Racism came up a lot during these shows. 
Later in this segment, I talk to a philosopher, educator, and author who argues that anger about racism is not a problem. It's a solution. But first, let's hear from Jalith Gary, Kamora Harrington, Ryan Lindsay, and Drew John Ladd. I am super salty about all of the people calling the cops on black people for doing yes. regular things. Oh. Yes. All of the permit patties and the barbecue Brenda's need to have a coupon card. Like, get your life. Find something else to call the cops. But I also think that there should be a penalty or a fine yes. for calling the police for non-emergencies. Yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. seriously, I hope, bring down the rate of BS calls to the cops. My mother is the quintessential wasp, okay? Big old waspy American, that's what we are. And then daddy is black Alabama sharecropper, right? So this is what you get. <laughs> but I've grown up with these wonderful values, and one of those values is that when you go out to eat, you leave 20%, period. That's what you do. Yep. So. You move that decimal point one, you double it, and it's over. There's no discussion. That's just what you friggin' do, right? But I look like this, which means that when I go out, very often the person who is serving me knows that they're better than me. And very often that person who's serving me treats me like at which point I wish I could be a damn white woman. I wish I could leave that nickel tip and say, uh, and she would understand exactly what the I was saying, but I'm a black woman in America. And so if I leave that nickel tip, what I'm saying is we's cheap. We don't know how to act when we go out. And exactly what you thought before I came in here, the reason why you gave me the abysmal service that you just gave me, I just proved it. So I don't want to do that for my sisters who are coming next. As soon as the poor service starts, <sighs> double consciousness, triple consciousness, it just starts. What am I going to do? Last week, I went to go get my son. My, so we could talk about manis and petties and little boys, but I don't give a about that. We're not going to talk about that because my son is amazing and he wanted a Manny Petty. So I took him to the spot to get the Manny Petty and we got the abysmal service. And I left with no tip. And not a day, that has been a week now, not a single day has happened in my life where I have not thought about what that means and what that means for black people. I would love to just be a human on this earth and have my actions be the actions that they are rather than actions that speak to my entire people. So there you go. This is a rarity for me to be in a room with a microphone full of mostly white people. And so in your communities, in your conversations, in your churches, in your synagogues, in your places of worship, in your workplaces, it's important to have conversations about the things that are going on that you may never feel. One, don't say, I'm not racist, because that's just a weak defense, and it's deflecting, and it's also defensive, even though it doesn't feel um, like aggressive, it's still very much not taking responsibility. Um, and I think it's important to take the time to get to know the names of people who are dying. Take the time to get to, to know your community, know the people around you. So yeah, I'm just salty that it is 2018 and that a lot of white folks don't want to take responsibility for just the privilege, I think. I'm not saying that white folks are bad people. I don't believe that. But me being someone who loves Jesus, and in the Bible it says, anyone who knows the good they ought to do and does not do it also sins. And so I think that's a way to put things in perspective is that if there's some sort of good that you can be doing for someone who has less privilege than you, and then you choose not to do it, then that doesn't make you any better. And if you have the ability to give and you choose not to, that doesn't make you better or that doesn't uh, give you something to be proud of, I think. So yeah, a little salty about that. 
I'm salty because it's 2018 and black people aren't safe in America. Mm. I'm salty because it's, we've never been safe in America, ever. There's never been a single period in time that I could time travel back to where black people have ever been safe or equal or respected or anything. I'm salty because killing black people has become a spectator sport where instead of going out and changing the world and using our people using their privilege to change things, we just watch black people get killed now. So instead of it being a secret, we all know and we still do the exact same thing, nothing. I'm salty because I have to watch my nephews go to school and wonder if they're gonna come back alive and it's a legitimate fear. I'm salty because when I see cops in my rear view, I fear for my life and it's a legitimate fear. I'm salty because this is the world I have to live in. There's no other place on earth I can even go. I'm salty because as much as I love being an American, as much as I'm proud of where I'm from and who I am, America doesn't love me and never has. I'm salty because America keeps trying to convince me that it loves me. I'm salty. I don't have a choice not to be. I don't get to not be this. I don't get to not be in this body. And also, I get to be in this body. I get to be proud of being in this body. But I'm salty because this body comes with consequences. Being proud in this body comes with consequences, deadly consequences. Being smart in this body comes with consequences. This body is criminal. This body is deadly. This body is any number of other things that they decide to staple to it. I'm salty because I've never had a choice and neither has anyone else, neither have any of the other names that aren't famous enough or body cammed enough or, or public enough for us to know them and recite them and visit their graves or put them up on our Facebook page like it means something. It doesn't have to be like this. This is a choice that we make. We choose to live in this country. That's why I'm salty. That was author Drew John Ladd. And before him, you heard Kamora Harrington, Ryan Lindsay, and Jaleith Gary. They were from my live advice show, Asking for a Friend, which ran till COVID-19 shut it down. My next guest, Maisha Cherry, understands the anger around racism and thinks we should lean into it. She's the author of The Case for Rage, Why Anger is Essential to Anti-Racist Struggle. She's an assistant professor of philosophy at the University of California, Riverside. I asked her, why is anger essential? to anti-racist struggle? So I borrow from the work of Audre Lorde. Um, her uses of anger essay was uh, written in the 1980s, first as a speech, um, and then it was uh, collected in a collection of essays of hers called Sister Outsider. In the speech, she, she's basically kind of defending anger in, in, in a sense, right? Um, a particular kind of anger in the context in relationship to white female allies, letting them know that, hey, we can fight against the patriarchy all day. But if we don't shed a light on the racism that we're experiencing in the movement, um, this is going to be counterproductive to our own particular aims. So she kind of addresses the, the importance of anger, how it allows us to have certain kinds of information that if we use it that, uh, for, for growth and we can transform our particular world, how it's a response to racism, how it's not um, a, a kind of expression of hatred. And so, so just borrowing from her, her account and her defense of anger, I'm simply saying, that the anti-racist anger that I'm defending in the book, what I call Lordian rage, is essential to anti-racist struggle because it's able to ascribe value to the marginalized. It's able to motivate individuals to participate in productive action that can transform our world. Um, that simply by having the anger, experiencing the anger, that one is able to engage in a kind of form of resistance to kind of anger that can be managed. And if it has those particular features, um, if its aim is also transformation and change, 
then I think that this is what we need. We shouldn't get rid of it. We shouldn't be ashamed that we have it. Like use that anger um, so that we can not only love the oppressed, but also challenge the oppressor. And that's why I think it's important for anti-racist struggle. Listening to you talk reminds me of this quote that I couldn't quite find an attribution for. It was somebody's therapist on Twitter, so who knows? But the quote was, your anger is the part of you that knows your mistreatment and abuse are unacceptable. Your anger knows that you deserve to be treated well and with kindness. Your anger is a part of you that loves you. Right, right. Yeah, anger is a, it's a, it's a response um, to an offense, to an injustice, right? That when one is angry, it simply says, and this is kind of what Audre Lorde kind of alludes to in her essay about how it's loaded with information, right? It tells us something about the world. So when I'm angry, it, it's a recognition that I have recognized that something has gone awry, right? And it ain't right. <laughs> um, I've recognized that somebody needs to be, be held accountable. Um, but also in addition to that, which is very much connected to the statement which you just alluded to, and this is one of the things that I discuss in the book, um, that I can only uh, have anger in response to a certain kind of mistreatment when I believe that the person who's being mistreated shouldn't be mistreated. That I think that they have uh, claims to respect, that I think that they are inherently valuable. And so when you have anger on, in response to your own mistreatment, you're basically saying, I matter in the world. I am valuable. I do not deserve this, right? It's a recognition of that. And there's also a recognition to everybody else. For those who don't recognize that this is what's happening, let me point out that there's, there's something going awry here um, and something needs to be transformed because it's doing this kind of work. I think for lots of people, when they think about anger, they maybe think about protest, 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 as if anger is only directed towards the wrong door, as if the only audience is the wrong door. But it's doing much more work than that. It's doing affirming work, not only in, in, in relationship to oneself, but you're also letting the world know who you are. <laughs> Just in case the offender was mistaken, right? It's letting the world know who you are. It's, it's letting the world know, and not only who you are, but who your anger is responding to. It's letting black and brown people know who you are. It's letting trans folk know that they are valuable, that they are worthy of dignity. It's doing that kind of work. And that's why I think it's important too. You make me wonder, um, I'm going through some tremendously painful uh, things in my personal life right now. And my Amen, biggest, <laughs> <laughs> my biggest feeling is white, hot rage. I feel like I am up against the sun. Like I, I can't even see how big it is because I'm pressed up against it. And I'm thinking like, yeah, I can, I can talk about it all day and I can cry when crying is the right feeling. But with this rage that I feel, how do I express it? And part of me wants to be like, what do I do? Kickbox? But like, what do I do? Kickbox? Like, what do you do physically? So there, there is some, some catharsis stuff that, that can happen, right? Um, the research is kind of ambivalent about does that really allow oneself to get rid of the, of the anger? And as opposed to just the cathartic stuff, I, I really believe in like expressing what one feels. So not just primarily releasing the emotion by kickboxing. But I think that expression is important, right? Expressing means you make known um, what is hidden. Um, and the only way that you can do that is not by hiding behind your emotion by saying, hey, I'm going to go play sports and get it out of me. Right. Um, but it's basically proclaiming that this is how I feel. Um, so I think art is a wonderful expression of that. Um, letting people and I think I use rap as an example. It's, it's a kind of way to say, hey, this is how I feel, not hiding behind it. Right. Um, this is how I feel. And I think that kind of expression can sow the seed of a more productive kind of thing to do to do with it. So, so express yourself. I truly believe in, in true expression. 
Um, and that can take a variety, a variety of form, not necessarily catharsis, but true expression. I think the freedom is found in true expression. And the vulnerability to be honest and right. to feel it. Yeah, there's no way out but through. Mayesha Cherry, thank you so much for your time and for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll have a link so you can check out Mayesha's work and her show, The Unmute Podcast, at ctpublic.org slash audacious. After the break. You know what makes me angry? When people don't play with me. Hear from angry kids and angry Connecticut public employees. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf, and today's show features people talking about what makes them angry. Ugh, the catharsis. It all started as a segment during my advice show, Asking for a Friend, which ran for three years at CT Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford until the pandemic extinguished it. And we didn't want to leave our listeners out of the fun, so a little while back I asked you to call in and tell me what makes you so mad. I am guilty of this but I am better at it now than I'm a little bit older. But in an email, why does one feel it necessary to use so many exclamation points? Please tell me why one needs so many exclamation points. I feel like it ruins the seriousness or like just the basic communication of what you're trying to say. And there's just so many, like why does every sentence have to have a exclamation point the exclamation point has power it shows joy and excitement and maybe it ends a sentence with some verb but if you overuse the exclamation point you've ruined its power taken away its agency stripped it of who it really is i'm tired of it stop using so many exclamation points flaky friends people that are supposed to have your back but don't People that say they love you with their words, but their actions are far from, you know, it makes me salty. A bag of salt. A bag of salt. I'm salty about grad school. It just really sucks. Yeah, it's hard to know if it was worth it. Worth all the stress, it's very stressful. Professors are not understanding. And when it doesn't make me sad, it makes me angry. This is the sound of the shower leaking when I walk into my dorm bathroom. It's not that hard, people. Really, you just have to turn the knob more to the right. I wasn't even going to do this, but the more you talk, the angrier and saltier I got. Um, I run a, a homeless facility for men. And what infuriates me is the people who make the decisions, like these groups, the Partnership, uh, Connecticut Coalition and Homelessness. God bless them. But they're not providers. They don't do the work. We've been in the trenches for the last two years, particularly during the pandemic, which made it even more more evident that they have not a clue on what 
we do day to day. And it's not even me. It's even more so the people I work with. And the decisions are made and they ask for our input and they don't want our input. They want it to be all nice and tidy in a bow. And where's the appreciation for what we did the last two years, how we kept people safe and they didn't die. And they don't get it. They don't get it. And, And crying doesn't mean you're weak. It just shows you care deeply. But I'm angry and continue to be angry and state reps. Oh, let's have a round table. Let's talk. Unless you raise our pay, recognize what we do, understand that you can't house somebody in 30 days. They come to our doors because they have so many issues. It just is infuriating. So that's what I have to say. Thank you. To borrow a phrase from my late mother, do you not really rot my garter? The malnourished of Costco, who in their feeding frenzy just abandon their carts willy-nilly as they go and gorge on, like, whatever is being given at the end of the aisle, it's pretty outrageous. I mean, carts are, are, are like cars, right? And the aisles, well, they're like roads. And I mean, rules of the road. You put your signal on and you pull over and then you look both ways and then you get out of your cart. They just stop, and walk around and leave it there in the middle of the road. And we all have to walk around. And those carts are oversized anyway. And their carts dripping and falling of stuff and overpackaged family-sized jumbo. Uh, it makes me really, really rethink the big box thing. But anyway, I just wish they'd pull over. I just wish they'd put on their directional. I just wish they'd get the hell out of my way and maybe eat a ham sandwich before they go to Costco so they don't have to feed on all this stuff. I feel so much better getting that off my chest. Thank you. You just heard the voices of Susie Craig, Anthony Emanuel, Emily Lowinger, Macy Lipkin, Marilyn Rossetti, and David Zaker. One lovely surprise after asking the general public to tell me what makes them so salty was hearing from a few of my colleagues who've worked with me here at Connecticut Public. When people say, oh, let's get together, but what they really mean is, it's great seeing you, but I really don't want to have to interact with you at all. I would love a little bit of courageous honesty in a conversation. We're all adults, or some of us are at least adulting. So if you honestly don't want to get together, then just say, hey, it was great seeing you, and then let it go. Let it go from there. Don't set up unrealistic expectations. We've forgotten just how long things can take to change, to evolve. We've gotten away from understanding time and cycles and how to honor them and how to be patient and to understand that everything doesn't happen immediately. And so that's what I'm feeling salty about these days. People who go to the grocery store but decide to use their smartphone and hit the speaker button and have these long, non-ending conversations that are incredibly private from health issues to how horrible their exes treated them. And up and down the aisles they go with the speaker blaring and the volume on 10. It is frustrating. There is no need for it. Whatever happened to privacy and being discreet, please, people, have those conversations at home. There is a special place in hell for people who post negative Yelp reviews about restaurants right now. Yelpers, I'm sure you've noticed, we're living through a pandemic. There are food supply issues, 
staff shortages, restaurant owners, especially the mom-and-pop shop owners, they're struggling. They're scrambling. You may have to wait a little longer than you're used to. Chicken wings might be off the menu this week. Prices will probably inch up. Hold back on that scathing Yelp review. And don't you dare ask a server to lower her mask so you know how much to tip. That's a whole other can of salt. Those were the voices of Sonia Pasquantonio, Megan Fitzgerald, Sophia McGillis, and Robin Doyon Aitken. Now, this show would be incomplete if we didn't hear from some kids. If you've spent any time around, well, any kid, you know they can get just as mad, if not madder, than any adult. So here are a few angry kids. Hi, my name is Victoria, and I'm five. I am angry when I do not get toys, and I'm the angriest person in the house! Isn't that seriously odd? You know what makes me angry? When people don't play with me. I'm upset and annoyed about school and my brother and a lot of other problems (laughs) and him annoying me. (laughs) 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 And you heard him again. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Stop it, Daniel. It may not look like it, but I am very mad. And here's why. Because people don't wear their masks. I mean, I wear my mask all the time at school. And no one wants to get COVID. And this is why I am really, 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 really mad. What I think needs to change is how unfair females get treated in our society today. Did you know that in professional sports, females get paid almost as half as much as males get paid. But it's not just in the professional world. It's all around us, even in my school. Just the other day, a kid was starting the football games but wouldn't let the girls join because they said we were weak. This just proves that even in my generation, there is still sexism. The society was built to keep women back, to hold them away from their dreams. The males who built our country wanted women to do their chores, make them food, and be a quote-unquote good wife. But the truth is, our whole society was built by the women who don't follow the men's rules, and they do what's right for their rights, because it's the rule breakers who make history. You heard the voices of Victoria Martinez, Ella Fisher, James and Daniel Russell, Paige Whittingham, and Charlotte Donnelly. Okay, so over the holidays, I visited my family in Madrid, Spain, and you know I couldn't resist interviewing my nephew and nieces, who you'll hear in order. They're Aiden, Willow, and Arwen Gladys Perez Sauquillo. Does bedtime make you angry? Sometimes, because sometimes I have such a good time, and then they say, Aiden, Arwen, time to go to sleep. One time when we were watching my first lady at night, and mommy said, time to go to sleep. And they say, because too late. And then what do you feel like? Angry. My daddy, he see no touch anything. When your daddy says, don't touch anything, that makes you angry? Yeah. What would you say to daddy if he says, Willow, don't touch, and you feel angry? Daddy. I can't touch anything you want, I want, 
then I can leave me alone. For the children who are hearing you right now, what's your advice for them, your wisdom for them, for when they feel angry with their siblings, with their parents? What's your advice for them? Like, imagine, imagine you would have superpowers and stop time. And count, like, from ten to one, like, slowly, like... You want to do it together? Ten. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's do it together. Let's breathe in first. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four, tres, dos, dos. <laughs> uno. <laughs> I feel better. Thanks. And like, even maybe it doesn't work so much. So try like 15 or 30. And if it doesn't work, well, imagine like, what would be your favorite place to be? Like, me, I think it would be a land full of, in the countryside, full of... Kittens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine I... a land full of kittens. Yeah. Arwen, thank you for talking with me. Thank you. Cool, okay. I love you, Kayo. I love you, Arwen. I love you. Arwen. Thanks to everybody who trusted us for this episode. And thanks to the folks whose salt didn't make it onto the air. We're going to hold on to that audio because we'd love to bring this concept back. And if after listening to this show, you're thinking, ah, I wish I had contributed to it. Well, good news. We've got this voicemail line set up for you. 860-275-7312 is the number. And you'll have three minutes to get it off your chest. Or you can send me a video or a voice note to my email, cwolf at ctpublic.org. Or send it to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Wolf. Audacious is produced by me, Jessica Severin Martinez, and Katie Talarski, with special help from Abi Levine at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Subscribe to Audacious, and you'll always get to hear the show a day early. You can hear all of our magnificent episodes at ctpublic.org slash audacious, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So tea, tell us another one. So tea, spin us another one. So tea, tell us another one too. So tea, oh.